Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Just help us and uh, had everything ready to go this evening. I'm not bemoaning. I just want us to be on the same uh, ground. Is that all right? Same page. I had everything ready to go this afternoon and just before church I just felt God just changed complete directions and that's all right he's God and I'm just his servant and, uh, and so I just ask you tonight to help me to pray that the spirit of the Lord I feel like God just wants to speak something to somebody's heart and uh, I want to be sensitive to his will I really do and I'm willing to wait on him amen I'm willing to wait on him and so let's just ask the Lord to just sweep into this house this evening and uh, let his spirit touch us. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 4. Now, in the fourth chapter of Jeremiah, beginning with verse number 1, uh, there is a call to return, to turn, for the children of Israel to return to the Lord. And he said, if you'll put away your abomination out of my sight, then you shall not be removed. I didn't give them these scriptures. I just want to refer to these. And thou shalt swear the Lord liveth in truth and judgment and righteousness and the nations shall bless themselves in him and in him shall they glory. This is, what, this is what will happen if you return. This was a cry. Verse number three, I'm going to read that but I want to refer again also to verse number four. The Bible says in verse number three, For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground and so not among thorns. Verse number four goes on with an admonition for them to circumcise themselves unto the Lord and take away the foreskin of your heart, ye men of Judah. Circumcision speaks directly to the removing of flesh. And that's what it's all about, getting us out of the way. Amen. And so he, there was a direct call to just cut away the foreskins of your heart. From verse number 3, I want to just take a little while tonight and talk about breaking up our fallow ground. I believe that we are, as a church, in a very important time. I believe that in, the, in our calendar. Amen. I believe that we're at a very important time in, in, the, in the big picture of things. I believe that God is doing something way beyond what we can dare dream, think, or imagine. And I'm not just saying that to sound convenient or make you feel good. I feel in my heart the rumbling of, of, the, of the Spirit of God yearning to do something in our heart. As a church, we are in our second week of consecration, of prayer and fasting and, and just enveloping ourselves in the Word of God. And so this ties into that. And I'm going to ask you to pray with me now that the Spirit of the Lord will just in his own unique and holy righteous way, move into our hearts. Now, I want to preach to you tonight. That'll be all right? Amen. I want to preach to you. I don't want you to think about your neighbor. I don't want you to think about uh, so-and-so. Sure, hey, they missed this. Going to have to buy them the CD. I want, you, I want to preach to you. 
And I want to drop a mirror down from heaven and I want to preach to me tonight. And I want the Spirit of God to touch us. In the Lord's name, I ask you today, God, to to touch this word that is already so divinely anointed of you. (laughs) Oh, sweep in this place, Jesus. We have no other agenda. We have nothing, nothing, nothing more important than what we're doing right here, right now. And so I ask you, sweet Lamb of God, to just sweep in this house and touch us now in the sweet and holy and precious name of Jesus. Walk up and down every aisle in between every pew and touch the heart of every man, woman, and boy and girl in this house. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. I have never made a claim to be a farmer. I have never even gotten close enough to even call myself a successful gardener. But I do know a few things about farming and gardening, and I would say a few. But recently, in recent years, I've had the privilege to be up close and personal to a crop that was growing almost in our backyard, and it was quite an interesting journey. Before you can grow anything at all, of course, if you're talking about a crop or a garden of any sort, you first got to plow the ground. Amen. I I know this seems very elementary and simplistic, but just please stay with me this evening. Before you can do anything at all by way of sowing seed, you got to first plow the ground. We have some men here this evening who are involved very much so in the agricultural life, and they are today not sitting on the front porch thinking about a crop that's going to be coming in, a harvest that's going to be coming in this summer. But right now, they're breaking up ground. That's what they're doing right now. It's a long way from now to July the 4th where picnic tables will be blanketed and with a lot of food and all sorts of fruit and watermelon to boot. But here we are breaking up the ground because we know that there is a season and a time that is coming. And so plowing must precede the process of sowing and reaping. The Lord said, break up your fallow ground. Fallow ground is either ground that has been tilled, is ground that's been tilled but perhaps has been left for a long time uncultivated. And because of that, it has got other things growing up in it. Or maybe it's just ground that's just been slightly plowed or needs to be plowed again before a substantial harvest can be planted. And so if we're going to break up anything tonight, I believe that we've got to start with our heart. Amen. This is where we must first be broken. I believe that what takes root inside has much more sustainability than that that just takes root on the outside. If we can get the seed in our heart and let the Spirit of God touch us and let the Spirit and the power of God break us, Amen. I don't think the Lord wants to destroy us. That's not what I'm implying. But the scripture does tell us that we can either ask that rock to fall on, that we can either fall on that rock or that rock can fall on us. And I will tell you tonight that I would much rather fall upon the rock and allow that rock to break me in that fashion than for that rock to fall upon me and crush me. Amen. So I want the Spirit of God to break us. And in this journey of prayer and fasting that is exactly 
what we've been after. We've been asking God to touch us as individuals and then obviously that touches us corporately as a church to break up our heart. And, and uh, you know, you can be in church a long time and uh, after a while it can all just kind of lose its ring and it lose its tone. And so it's not how long we've been in this thing and church and the kingdom of God doesn't just operate off tenure. Amen. Because you can be in the church 50 years and be as backslid in your heart as anyone. That's the absolute truth. You can be in the church, you can know the, you can know the words to every song. I don't know where Sister Rayleigh went, but you can even know where the pages, what page number the songs are on. Sister Rayleigh, do you? She's probably outside helping them. Okay. Well, that's a good thing. I'm talking about her in her absence then. <laughs> you can know the page of the songs and still be in your heart cold and indifferent toward God and the things of God. I don't want this thing to lose its feel to me. I don't want it to lose its flavor. I want to always be moved by the presence of the Lord. I'm not saying this to make you mad or to be a smart aleck, but I don't get people that claim to be Holy Ghost filled and the Spirit of God can be moving and one-third of the church be moved and two-thirds are staring. I don't understand that. That stirs my heart. That, 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 that does something that stirs up a righteous indignation. It doesn't make me mad. It makes me fearful. Amen. I think that we need to let the Spirit of God well, I just run into a rock there, I can promise you. But we need to let the Spirit of God break us up. It doesn't matter how long you've been around this thing. I want the Spirit of God to move me. I want to be stirred by the Spirit and the power and the presence of the Lord. Now, I don't think you've got to walk on the backs of the pews to prove that you're moved. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm telling you that sometimes the spirit and the power of God is moving in this house and there are people that can't wait for it to move on to the next order of the service because they're just disconnected completely. I say that we need to let the Lord break up the fallow ground of our heart. Amen. Let the spirit of God break up the fallow ground of our heart. God's word should bring conviction to the heart of everyone that hears that and the word of God should stir all of us to a place of sure repentance. Because repentance is not just a one-time thing. It's not just something reserved for the sinner that we kind of, you know, we go through that and then we get the power of the Holy Ghost and we just move on and now that's just somewhere in our distant past. Absolutely not. We need the Spirit of God to wash over us again and again and again. And don't ever let me get high-minded and so full of myself that I think I don't need the Spirit of the Lord to move and to stir me and to wash me and cleanse me and make me whiter than snow. Once our heart is broken by repentance and the righteous seed of God's Word is planted, then the church will naturally begin to reap, naturally begin to reap the harvest that true repentance brings. And so to the church tonight I say this, that if we are not convicted by the preaching of the word of God, then we should not be concerned when the sinner is not moved by or convicted by the preaching of the word of God. I believe that as we allow God to convict us, we allow the spirit of conviction to flow. If you could think about conviction like the water of a river, if that water is, is restricted or held up here, it may not flow past that. Amen. But if it is not restricted, it can flow into every crack and every crevice 
I believe that as we yield ourselves to the Spirit of God to convict us, amen, maybe the tears and the weeping and the moaning and the prayer of the saints may be enough to stir the heart of conviction in the, in the lives of people around us. Does that make any sense to, to you at all? And so I say, Lord, let me be convicted. I say, again, the words of that song, move me with your message once again. I don't want to stand to become callous and indifferent to the presence of the Lord. I may have had my heart broken. I may have had the soil of my heart tilled or plowed, but if it's been too long since that happened, you can't leave that unattended because something you don't want to grow there is going to start growing. Amen. So when our hearts are broken, then it is time for the seed of the word of God to be sown in them. When we think about worldly cares and concerns, we are when we are full of the Spirit of God and the power of God and the Word of God, then worldly cares and concerns are not as likely to come out and to choke out the Word of God. Jesus said that the cares of life could choke the Word of God. Now, I never will forget the first time, not the first time I read that, but I will never forget the first time that I read that and got it. I read it many times before I got it. I'm just confessing. But when I was reading that passage of scripture one day, I just began to think, I mean, it's like the lights just came on and you may have known this 27 years ago and so if you did, just bear with me tonight. But when the lights came on and I began to read and understand that the cares of life was powerful enough to choke out the word of God. I began to, my mind just immediately went to Genesis 1 and 1. And I, I, I could just hear as though it were in my own mind the word God echo across the ages and say, let there be and there was. The word of God that spoke this world into existence, something so powerful, something so authoritative, something so anointed, amen. The word of God was spoken and dead men were raised to life again. I was reading just yesterday about Tabitha in the scripture and where they began to pray and the disciple began to pray and called her by name and said, arise, and she woke up. Amen, at the word of God. That's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, the word of God, that word that walked among us in flesh. But the scripture said that the cares of life can stop something as powerful as the word of God. That's something that we should sound an alarm. That is something that ought to, uh, some, something ought to go off in our spirit of everyone here this evening. I don't want the cares of life to choke out the word of God. And so in Jeremiah's warning, we see how serious repentance is to our lives. Repentance breaks up the soil of our heart. It's a waste of time to sow good seed and ground that's not been properly prepared. You know, there's a reason, I don't know exactly how to say this, but there's a reason that at the end of a service, toward the end of a service, it just seems like there's something special in the air. There's something powerful. And, and we're thinking, you know, uh, it's maybe we're thinking, uh, why, why couldn't we have just gotten right to this moment an hour and a half ago or two hours ago? But you see, it, was, it just took that breaking the ground. It took that pounding the heart. It took that for all of us to reach a place where the Spirit of God could just move 
move powerfully. Why? Because little by little we began to tear down us and make room for him in our lives and the spirit and the power of God becomes even almost to the point of being palatable. We are feeling the urgency of the hour. We're feeling the weight of the kingdom. And so James writes, wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive the meekness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Amen. I'm talking about this book right here. He said this book right here is able to save your soul, the word of God. And so when you pick up this book, this is not like the novel that you read to kind of let your mind relax. This is not about a magazine or a newspaper that you may read to catch up on current events. But when we open the word of God, the word of God can save my soul. And so James realizes that if the heart itself is not prepared Amen. If it is not ready, if it is not, if it is not in the right condition, that it's only going to produce weeds. And so he urged us then to lay aside your flesh and prepare our hearts for the engrafted word of God. I'm going to tell you that from the very moment that I begin to preach here tonight, there has been many things that have been working to distract your mind and to take your mind away. And to a little bit later, I got a few things I got to do after service. So I know what that is all about. Several things I got to do tomorrow. I know what that's all about. And so during the preaching of the word of God, the enemy's been trying to tear your attention here and your attention there. That's not by accident. That's not because you're carnal. It's because you're human. And so that's why Jeremiah said you need to break up that fallow ground. Amen, I gotta put all that aside. I gotta turn all of that away. I have found myself in prayer. I have found myself while I was praying to the Lord. I have found myself in prayer thinking about something else. My lips were saying one thing and my mind was saying something else and I had to stop and say, Lord, I am so sorry. I am so sorry because that's like somebody standing in front of you and they're talking to you and you're looking over their shoulder and you're carrying on a conversation with somebody else. And then I said, Lord, I'm sorry. I need I need you to help me focus. I need you to help me gird up the loins of my mind. Why? Because I need your spirit to touch me. I'm not praying to just X this off of my calendar. I'm not praying to put a little gold star by my name. I'm praying because I need your word in my heart and I need your word to change me. And so I gotta break up the fallow ground. He urges us to lay aside the cares of life to lay aside the flesh. Amen. He said we need to, to, uh, to cut away the foreskin of our heart. We need to get rid of our flesh. I'm going to tell you that you may think you've got some enemies and you may think you know their name and you may have some enemies and they may have names and even social security numbers. But I'm going to tell you we don't any have a greater enemy in this world than that man or that woman that stares back at us in the glass. It is our flesh that's trying to of us of prayer it's my flesh that's trying to rob me of my season of fasting it's my flesh that's trying to rob me of this very service here tonight the flesh that would destroy and so Jeremiah amen the Lord spoke through Jeremiah and said we gotta do it we've got to break up 
our ground. We've got to break up our heart. James said that we need to lay aside, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, referring to the flesh. The word filthiness comes from a Greek word that refers to any sort of immoral impurity. We've got to lay that aside. I don't mean to sound crass here at all, but I found it interesting today to read one of the definitions of this word was likened or closely related to the term that is used for wax that builds up in the human ear. Amen. If left alone, it can and will impair your hearing. Amen. I'm not trying to be gross, but I'm just telling you tonight that if you don't do something about that, after a while, you're not even going to be able to hear. So we've got to go again and again and again. And we've got to clean out our heart. And we've got to lay aside all filthiness of the flesh. We've got to put it aside because the more carnal we are, the more immoral we are, we are not going to hear the voice of God when he speaks. Yeah, amen. So immorality prevents from us from clearly hearing. And even more importantly, let me say, not just hearing the word of God, but that prevents us from comprehending the word of God. Because you can hear some things that you don't understand. You can hear things that you don't comprehend. And so that I pray, Lord, I don't want to just hear the word. I don't want to just read the word. I want to understand the word. Amen. I pray and ask the Lord. I know I need some uh, an intellectual approach to this. I realize that. But I also, Lord, I want a revelatory approach to this. I want to see your word. I don't want to just read it and it just become another verse. But I I want to be able to comprehend and understand your word. The word superfluity in Greek can carry the idea of something that remains or a surplus. And so in this context, it seems to refer to some sort of excess or the prevalence, if we should say, of wickedness. Amen. So we've got to get rid of that. We've got to sweep that out. And so we've got to ask the Lord to touch us and to help us. Now, I don't want to get up in your business here tonight, but how many of you, uh, how many of you that would be willing, you don't have to stand up and run around or anything, just sit, look guilty, you'll be sufficient. But how many of you ever just moved an item in your kitchen or just moved something somewhere and you think, who in the world lives here? You ever moved your stove? Pulled out your refrigerator? I'm talking, talking about the I'm not talking about the, the house you go to every now and then. I'm talking about one you live in every day. And you're thinking, oh my Lord, you're so thankful there was nobody there. You're so glad to see. Because if you don't visit those places, you don't have to dump dirt in there. You don't have to throw cobwebs in there. You don't have to stop by there and toss something behind the refrigerator for something to get behind the refrigerator. We don't even know how it gets there. I ain't talking to anybody in this house of me. I can see that right now, so I'll, I'll buy the CD tonight if y'all make me one. Amen. I'm telling you that things get in our lives. If we don't pull them out, if you don't visit that, if you don't go there, friend, I promise you when you move something, there's going to be more there than you can dare imagine. And so I say, God, let your word shine so bright in my life that I can see the areas when the preaching's coming forth. I don't want to be sitting back there on Facebook when somebody's preaching and teaching the word of God. I don't want to be emailing and doing all kind of nonsense. I need your spirit. Amen be a light, shine it in this crack shine it in that crevice, show me where I'm wrong and then give me the courage and the boldness to get up and do something about it I don't want to just look at it and push everything back but I want the spirit of the Lord to give me the strength to change it 
I've got to get rid of, 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 of those things. I've got to repent. First John 1 and 9 says, many of you could quote it, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I've got to get rid of moral flesh and evil that is so prevalent in our heart and our lives. I'm telling you that the heart is, is nothing you can figure out. It's desperately wicked. There's nobody that can know it. That's what Jeremiah said. You can't trust your heart. Don't put your confidence there. You don't know what what will come out of your mouth. You don't know what will flash across the screen of your mind. And so I say, Lord, help me. I need you to cleanse me and wash me and make me whole. Because unless and until we see sin for what it is, we will never move forward spiritually. Sin is not your friend. The devil didn't knock on your door to have to have lunch I promise you that he came to kill steal and destroy and so we need to repent we need a brokenness to be about us amen not a brokenness that takes 13 songs consecutively to touch our heart amen not a not a not a not a spirit and a mindset that takes an hour and a half of preaching to finally eke in but we need a brokenness to be about us I remember brother Bingham used to say all the time brother R.B. Bingham used to say we don't need to ever need to be more than four hallelujahs away from victory I think I know what he was trying to say amen I want to live so close that the spirit of God can touch me with just the first song the first moving the first chord the first chorus Lord let your spirit move me and touch me again but repentance needs to be followed by the word of God I know every year we promote and this year is not an exception and I have thanked our Sunday school department for their intense effort this year of our bread program and this year providing bread Bibles for those and not only for our adults but for our children. But let me insert something right here not to take away from that. But we need to do more than just read the Bible. Because you can read the newspaper and set it down and not have a clue what happened yesterday. You can read an article online and before you can click it and the screen go blank, you've already forgotten We've got to meditate. It's what the scriptures talks about, meditating on the word of God. When David writes many of his psalms, he ends certain, not just even psalms, but even sometimes certain places during a psalm with the word selah, which simply means to pause and think about that. Let that soak in. Just, just let that marinate. Just read it again. Think about it again. Let something break into your heart. And so we've got to meditate on the word of God because it's the word that helps break up that fallow ground. God's word will develop an attitude of meekness. Oh, yes, it will. God's word will develop a spirit of meekness, and that's what James refers to that I read a moment ago in chapter 1, verses 21, and receive with meekness the engrafted word. Receive it with meekness. Amen. I, I, well, I'll do it, but I ain't happy about it. Well, I'll do it because that's what you said. I'll do it because that's what you preached. No, no, no. We need to receive with meekness the word of God. And with that word of God comes into our heart, that engrafted word. Amen. He said that word is able to save your soul. You need to take it. You need to get it in our heart. I need to do it, Lord. I need to let that word penetrate, even if it's something that I do not want to hear. I talk a lot about 
having accountability partners in your life and people in your life. And, uh, and I think sometimes we misunderstand or that may be misunderstood by some. I'm not talking about surrounding yourself with people that'll just tell you what you wanna hear. I'm not talking about surrounding yourself with people that'll just pat you on the head and say that's all right when in fact it's all wrong. We need people in our lives that can have the courage and the boldness and have the permission to speak into our lives and say wait, wait, wait just a minute. You're wrong and you're thinking. You're wrong in your attitude, you're wrong in your spirit. It may cut against the grain, but if I know somebody in my life is looking out for me, then even when it hurts, even when it cuts, even when I don't agree, amen, you may be seated. Even when I don't agree, I need to trust the eyes and the voice and the vision of somebody that's standing outside of my circumstances that can say, you need to do this or you need to do that. And so when we receive that word with meekness, we don't argue with it. I mean, we honor that. That's the word of God. I'm not going to argue with that. It, that doesn't mean it went down well. That don't mean it tastes good or it felt good. But I, I want to receive it with meekness. If I do not receive the implanted word of God, then I am only deceiving myself. James 5 and 7, the Bible says, Be patient, therefore. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Wow. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and the latter rain. Be ye also <coughs> patient, Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not, grudge not one against another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. You see, if a man is impatient, there's several things you better not get involved in. There's a lot of vocations you better not get involved in if you're impatient. But if you're not a patient person, you sure better not take up farming. For one thing, no crop appears overnight. You plant that seed by faith and you drive by in the morning and you know what? It looks just exactly like it looked yesterday. There is no evidence at all whatsoever that the seed even went forth. Amen. I'm not a literal farmer, but I am a spiritual farmer. And so I cast seed it sounds like I've been complaining tonight. I'm really not. I don't think I may need to buy the CD. But sometimes, sometimes you're casting seed and you drive back by and you just can't see any evidence whatsoever. Amen. But you just got to be patient. And you got to have confidence in the seed. Amen. You got to have confidence in the seed. Amen. You got to trust in the seed. Amen. A farmer has no control over the weather. I know in our modern times of irrigation that seems to take care of one problem, but there are many other things outside of that. But we know this, that too much grain can cause a crop to rot and too much sun can burn it up. And so, the, so they have no control over that. They've got to exercise patience because it takes time. It takes time. It'll all come. It'll all happen in due season. But what... 
Amen. They know this, that whatever it takes, amen, whatever it takes to get the fruit will be worth the investment. No matter how many long nights, no matter how many, no matter how many long days, they know that it will be worth the investment. My wife's stepfather, who was a large part of her life, was he lived his in his whole adult life. He worked in the citrus industry and he was a supervisor for many, many decades with a company in, a citrus, uh, in, in, in the citrus industry in central Florida. And so when it came time, fruit season, he just didn't have a life. I mean, that's just the bottom line. No life whatsoever because his life was all invested in the fruit. And on those cold nights, there were going to be old pots that were cold that were burning oil, not cold, but burning oil to warm because they know that, that we got to protect this against the frost. We got to protect this. But no matter what I do tonight, no matter how long this night is, no matter how long tomorrow is, no matter how long the next several weeks are, one of these days, it's going to be worth it because we're producing some fruit. Now, I, look, I lost you a little bit talking about farming I think amen but here's what I want you to know that no matter how much time it takes to become what you were wanting and desiring to become it will be worth every long night of prayer it will be worth every long day of toil and labor why because the fruit is going to be worth it what God blesses us with is going to be worth it that's why Galatians 6 and 9 Paul said be not weary in well doing amen because you're going to reap if you faint not there is a season. He said in due season in due season you're going to reap if you faint not. Our hearts are, are the soil. The seed is the word of God. There are seasons to the spiritual life just like there are seasons to the soil. Amen. Sometimes our hearts are in a winter season and we have to plow up the fallow ground. I got to break it up because I got to get something planted. I got to get a seed in the soil because I want a crop. God desires to produce something in my life. And so it's the will of God for the fruit of the Spirit to grow. But many times, many times, the fruit of the Spirit comes via trials and temptations and tribulations but it's in that season that I don't want to get impatient and I don't want to feel like that heaven is brass and God has forgotten my address. I want to yield myself to the Lord and permit the fruit to grow because God is wanting that to happen. According to Romans 1 and 11 the spiritual ministry of the local church is there to establish our hearts. I'm not just preaching tonight just so that I can preach, I can discharge something and off my mind or out of my spirit. I'm not just preaching to you tonight just because you showed up. Amen. There's something spiritual that's going on. Paul said, I long to see you that I might impart something into you. To the end thereof, you might be established. You know what's happening? Amen. The footing, the ground under your feet right now is getting a little more solid, a little more secure. Why? Because the word of God, the seed of the word of God is going forth and it is establishing something. Paul sent Timothy to Thessalonica. He didn't send them there. He didn't send him there to vacation. He didn't send him there to go fish. He didn't send him there on some hunting expedition but he said I want you to go to Thessalonica and I want you to establish the hearts of those young Christians I want you to establish their faith I want you to encourage them Paul also prayed for them that they might be established Amen. the ministry of the word of God and prayer are important if we are going to be established we've got to be busy if we expect a harvest in our lives I mentioned that a moment ago. These men that are farming, they're not just sitting around waiting on July.
July, they're working right now. They're diligent right now. Even before it's time to plow, amen, they're working on the equipment. They're getting everything in line. They're getting everything ready. Why? Because the summer is coming. There's a harvest that's coming. And so I gotta work even before the field's plowed. I gotta work before the seed is planted. Why? Because I know there is a harvest that's coming. And so in Mark 4, we read about the sower and the soil. Hearken, the Bible says, Behold, there went out a sower to the sow. And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it out, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground. And it yielded yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, some a hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Let him hear. The seed, again, represents the word of God. And the sower is the servant of God that shares that word, casting the seed. The human heart is like the soil, and so we've got to be prepared to receive the word of God before the seed can take root and, and produce anything in our lives. And so, and so like seed, the word is alive, and it's able to establish spiritual fruit. It's kind of amazing to hold seed in your hand of any sort and to think if you've got an acorn in your hand, if in, that, in, your, in your hand is all the ability that it will ever need to withstand. The tree has all the ability in that acorn. Everything is there to withstand any storm that comes its way. Any, any cold, bitter winter night that comes its way, it's all right there. The seed holds the harvest, the fruit. Amen. So like the seed, the word of God, it's alive. And so it doesn't look like much sitting in your hand, but you just push that thing in the dirt and see what happens. It may look very insignificant holding it in your hand, but you just push it in the ground and give it a little time, and you may be well amazed at what happens. The seed must be planted. It's got to be cultivated before that harvest will come. As in that day, so in today, there are basically four kinds of hearts that respond to the, God's word. There are basically four. Amen. The scripture talks about the hard heart that resists the word of God. No matter what's going on, that hard heart. And that makes it so easy for in, the enemy, for Satan. Let me be very specific here to just come in and snatch it away. Amen. That's why Solomon said in Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. Amen. Out of it are the issues of life. And so you better keep your heart. You better keep your heart. Amen. There have been people, maybe, maybe more than one sitting here tonight, I'm sure more than one in all these years, when you've gone through troubles and trials and, and, and bitter things have come your way, one of the things that my wife or I one have told you is guard your heart. Guard your heart. We probably told you that long before you were ready to hear that. We probably told you that long before you were ever ready to think about doing that. But guard your heart. Why? Amen. Because out of it are the issues of life. You've got to be careful, careful, careful. Amen. The shallow heart is the second one. It's like the thin soil on the rock. And since there is no depth, no earth, whatever's planted there, it can't last because it just has no roots. That represents a lot of times people that just, you know, they just kind of joyfully accept the word of God, but they don't really understand the price that's going to come to really develop into a true Christian. Amen. 
A crowd at heart is a person that receives the word of God, but they have not truly repented and they haven't got everything out of their heart that needs to be out of there. So they hear, amen, too many different kind of things going on. There's this going on. There's that going on. I'm going to tell you that that's what the church's greatest competition is today. Things. Things. Just stuff. Stuff. Amen. Just stuff. Worldly cares. Just things that are they're not even going to matter. Amen. I'm not talking about an eternity. They may not even matter six months from now. May not even matter next week. Amen. Just cares of life. Cares of life. But then there's that fruitful heart. A picture of a true believer. Because fruit, a changed life. The evidence. There's something there. There's something there. True salvation. I'm telling you something that's happened. Amen. We pastor in, in, a, in a small area, so to speak, even the surrounding counties, a lot of people know one another. And, and so it's not been an uncommon thing at all through the years for somebody to stop me and say, hey, aren't you the pastor? So I say, yes, yes. Does so-and-so attend? The, yes, yes. He says, boy, I tell you, I can see a change in their life. Yeah. And why? Because they started bearing some fruit. Wasn't because they had on a sandwich side on the corner saying, look what God has done. But fruit started... Fruit started being born in their heart. Now listen, I understand this. The Bible talks about some 30, some 60, some 100. Not, not all, even true believers, equally are as equally productive. I, I understand that's, that's the scripture talks about. You can plant two trees right side by side. One may bear a whole lot more fruit than the other, than the other tree. But from every child of God's life, there should be some evidence of spiritual fruit. Some evidence. Now, you see some trees, they're just loaded down. And others, they just got a little bit, maybe comparatively speaking. But they should have fruit. A different enemy influences each of these hearts. Or at least the fruitless hearts. The hard heart, the Bible says that the devil himself, Satan himself, snatches that away. So there's one enemy that we have. And then the shallow heart represents counterfeit or false religious or spiritual feelings that we have. Amen. That, that flesh that we have, the crowded heart, the things of the world just, just smother out anything that God would try to give root to. Amen. There's our enemies right there. There is our enemies. These three enemies are something we're going to battle every day, and that is the world. Amen. The spirit of this world, Satan himself. And that is our flesh. Amen. Those things that we're going to face, we're going to, we're going to face that, we're going to face the world, we're going to face the flesh, and we're going to face the devil. Amen. The spirit of the age, the world, the flesh, and we're going to face the devil. In closing, as our musicians come, I want to turn your attention to two more passages of Scripture. And that is found in Hosea 10 and 12. The Bible says, So to yourselves... In righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your foul ground. There's that term again. For it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. John, John says in chapter 12, verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. There's the key. And die. It abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. 
We don't really think about that perhaps in that sense when we push that seed in the ground. We're thinking more about that seed living than dying. But in truth, it must die first. And when it dies first, then something wonderful and beautiful can come from that. Let's, let's stand together. The fallow ground of our heart, that which has been untouched in quite a while, has got to be broken. And so how long has it been since we've been really touched by the Spirit of God, the presence of God, really, really touched? If we, if we wait so long in between those times that God can move us and stir us, then what has to happen is it's got to be broken all over again. Amen. It's the truth. It's got to be broken all over again. And so I say, Lord, help me that I just don't let it just stay fallow. <laughs> Amen. I love the words of the song we sing it. Word of God speak, pour out like rain. And so when the Spirit of God moves, we need to have that mindset. Amen. That Let the Word God come forth and then let me be moved by that. Let me be stirred by that. Let me, let me respond to that. Let me respond to that. <clears throat> it's, it's very important. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.